Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm looking forward to this time together with you. I hope you've had a good day and I hope your week has been going well. We're already coming up on Holy Week next week, so I'm excited. I'm looking forward to each and every day as we prepare our hearts and minds for the week. I'm going to be joined this hour with uh, Tom and Marsha Berkowitz, and we're going to talk about that very topic, Holy Week. So, Tom has been the, and Marsha have been involved with Community Bible Study for 22 years. I'm just going to make that up. 23 years? 22? 22 as a teaching director. We've been there for, what, 26 years when it started? Okay, so a long time. 22 years as the teaching director. And that is a powerful ministry. I think you guys have upwards of, what, about 500 people show up on Monday nights? Yeah, in fact... On Zoom this year, we have 476. That is amazing. That's yeah. a big number for Zoom. It is. Yeah. How do you like Zoom? I don't. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not as outgoing as you are. <laughs> All right. Well, I just, you get a little bit weary. You miss being with people. Oh, you miss being face-to-face. I'm fatigued yeah. after three Zoom meetings. Yeah. All right. So we're. I want to talk about Holy Week. I want to talk about uh, Passover and uh, you are... Jewish, Tom, Messianic Jew. I am. You are. So I want to find out uh, what that's like. (laughs) 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 But I don't have that much time. So So this Sunday is what they call this Sunday? Palm Palm Sunday, Sunday, yes. Okay. We'll start the story there. All right. Why don't we? But, you know, before... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Let's start there. That's a good good place to start. No, I actually like that as, (laughs) as a place to start. Palm Sunday. So... What day was Palm Sunday back when Jesus came in? What was the day? Um, it wasn't Palm Sunday. No, it was, what, Nisan 14? Ah, it was the 10th of Nisan. 10th Ten, of Nisan, yes. It was a day of preparation. Of course. So they were going to, they picked their lamb, and then from the 10th to the 14th, they examine the lamb to see if there's any flaws, any blemishes, anything in it. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus came in, what happened? Well, he got hit by the scribes, the Pharisees, uh, the priests. They asked him all kinds of questions, trick questions, everything else. And guess what? Mm. They could find nothing that he said was wrong. No flaw. No flaw. Mm-hmm. Even our the illustrious Gentile, the Roman uh, uh, pilot, said this man is innocent. So that goes back to the prophet uh, John the Baptist, or as we'd say, John the Immerser. He said, "Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world." Back in John one twenty seven. Mm-hmm. I know you're studying John, so yeah, way back at the beginning. Yeah, way back. So this is the day. Uh, Sunday will be the day they choose the lamb 
that they are going to sacrifice on Passover. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you why uh, the Jews had such a difficult time accepting the good news that Jesus was preaching. That's a great question. I wish I had the answer. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like a question I asked myself when I was reading uh, Genesis uh, 40, 41, 42, when Joseph's brothers came and saw him and they didn't recognize him. How, how couldn't they recognize their own brother? Mm-hmm. Of course, he dressed like an Egyptian. He spoke the Egyptian language, but they didn't recognize him, yet it was their brother. Mm-hmm. And the answer to that question would be they were looking for something else. And here the Messiah was right in front of them. God intervened in their life, and they were looking for him to come another way, and they just didn't recognize him. That's the one part of the question. The other part is, if he truly was the Messiah, then I have to give up control. And that's not something they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It's something that we wrestle with today. Yeah, that, that's not gone away. That's not going away. No, and that will continue um, because we don't want to give up our authority, do we? No. Yeah. No. It's all about control. Yeah. My way seems to work okay, right? Correct. Yeah. And that's one of the great questions out there. Who has that privileged place of authority in your life? Is it you or is it God? Is it Jesus on your throne or is it you? Right. So... And that wraps up our time. (laughs) (laughs) So the question is... Why doesn't the church celebrate Passover along with the Jews? Let's make Marcia answer that. Is it a Jewish festival? <laughs> Just kidding, Marcia. Is it a Jewish festival or is it a biblical a festival? Yeah. It's the basis of our Christianity. So it's really both. It's both. All right. Is Passover important? We're nodding yes. <laughs> all right. Yes. We're all nodding yes. If we yes. go back to yes. Genesis at the creation, on the fourth day, verse 14, and it said, God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. I'm reading from the New International on this one. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times. In the English Standard Version, it will say, for signs and for seasons, but it has an asterisk there. And the asterisk there says appointed times. So way back in creation, God appointed times that he wanted us to recognize. Mm-hmm. And they're for the days and the years. And we know from Leviticus 23, these appointed times, uh, it starts off with the Sabbath every week. That's the premier appointed time, we're supposed to take a day of rest. And why? Because God called it holy. Then he comes up with the four spring appointed times. They are Passover, Pesach, unleavened bread, first fruits, and the Feast of Pentecost. All four of those have been fulfilled with Jesus's first coming. So this is important. The three appointed times in the fall are the Feast of Trumpets, what we call Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Booths. 
And we should know that one because in the millennial kingdom, that's the one the whole world at that time who's alive is going to go up to Jerusalem every year and celebrate. Those will be fulfilled on Jesus' second coming. Mm -hmm. So these are important. God called them out way back in the creation of the world. That's why he gave us these times. Mm -hmm. So it's important. Yeah. So why does the church not practice the Passover meal? About 150 to 100 years after John died, the apostle, the last uh, disciple, John died, the church started drifting more and more away from the Jewish holidays. In fact, more and more church leaders started attacking the Jews as the reason why Jesus was killed. And then in 325 at the Council of Nicaea, Constantine separated anything that was Jewish was not part of the church. And he made Easter and Passover as far away from each other as you could that first Passover and keep it in the same equinox. Mm. So the church has lost their Hebraic roots. However, when you look at Luke, and this is my answer to everybody, why is Passover so important today to you? Why do you and your family celebrate it? And Luke 22, verse 15, Jesus says, I earnestly desire to eat this Passover with you. If he likes it that much, <laughs> by definition, I do. So that's, that's my simplistic answer. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to get into the more of the why of Passover, and maybe we could even walk through some of it because it, it's so interesting. And I would say a lot of believers don't know the significance, and I think it's a wonderful exercise to to learn, and then maybe one day we'd be invited to a Seder. And, um, yeah. Until that happens, we'll give you a care box. That, I know. I just received it. <laughs> they brought, the Berkowitz has brought me a, a care box, a Seder care box. So I've got all what I need to uh, go through the Seder. So let me take a little break. When I come back, lots more with Tom and Marsha Berkowitz. I bet you have a question. If you do, let us know what it is. We'll tackle it. 877-933-2484. 877-93-FAITH. They always say you're supposed to say things three times. 877-933-2484. Be right back. Passover. How do you say Passover in Hebrew? Pesach. Pesach. Well, anyway, Passover is a Jewish festival celebrating Exodus from Egypt and the Israelites' freedom from slavery to the Egyptians. So this is one of the first festivals, uh, I believe, that God commanded Israel to observe. It is. Yes. In fact, if you go to Exodus 12, is where um, he institutes... Passover. Okay. In verse 3, it says, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month they are to eat 
they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's household, a lamb for each household. Mm-hmm. If you stop right there, what is that purpose? Before we get any further, the Hebrew word for congregation there is edah, and it means a witnessing body. So God is calling Israel by instituting this to be a witnessing body. Because contrary to public opinion, Jesus, uh, Jesus God, never changes. Mm-hmm. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So how were the Jews saved? By the law? No. By grace through faith. Abraham was before the law. He was called, he believed, mm-hmm. and was credited to him as righteousness. So it was always through grace. So when he chose the Jewish people, what did they do to be chosen? Nothing. Mm-hmm. And what did they do to keep being chosen? Because they were elected and chosen to be born. Mm-hmm. He made that covenant. We're grafted into that covenant by grace through faith in Yeshua. Mm-hmm. So this is it. Yeah. Uh, Tom and Marcia, is Passover, is it one of the most widely celebrated Jewish holidays? I would say of all the holidays, yes. Okay. Probably Hanukkah next. No, I think uh, the high holidays. Yeah, the high holidays. They're, yeah, even secular yeah. Jews will ask for forgiveness of their okay. sins, that maybe their name would be written in the book of law f- or the yeah. book of life for the next uh, 12 months. Okay. So this festival that God commanded Israel to observe, today we commemorate this with this special meal we call the Seder. Right. And uh, it features, what, unleavened bread and a number of other foods that's, that are symbolic of... Right. Yeah. And oh. the unleavened bread is because you eat it in haste. We don't have time. This is urgent. We don't have time to wait for the uh, the dough to rise. We got to take it. Plus... In in the Bible, most of the time, leaven is is a cold word for sin. Mm. So, and the night of the first Passover, that was the night of a plague, wasn't it? It was. Which plague? The tenth. The tenth. And what was the tenth plague? The tenth plague was the uh, death of the firstborn. First. Oh, okay. And that's why the blood on the doorpost and the lentil, as the angel of death came and. He saw that the people of Israel were covered by the blood of the lamb. Mm-hmm. And he passed over. And that was a physical Passover. It was a, uh, a freeing from the bondage of slavery. Today, 1,500 years later, when Jesus was sacrificed, it freed us from the bondage of sin and death. So the Israelites were being saved from the plague, and their firstborn children stayed alive. Yes. Just imagine what that night might have been, must have been like. Think about it. Oh, oh my. First oh. of all, do you believe them? Uh, you got to think. Point. Here we go. Moses says, stay in the house. Yep. Put the blood, sacrifice this yep. lamb, this pet you had for the last four days. Put the blood on the doorposts and the lentils. And stay in there no matter what. Mm-hmm. Don't come out. And first of all, well, what's going to happen? Well, the angel of death is going to come over. Can you oh. Can you hear, even now, think about it figuratively, the death cry of 
a million people yeah. Yeah. in Egypt crying out yes. that their firstborn is dead. Oof. Then you got to think, man, was Bill obedient? Did he go in? Did he put it on? Am I, I going to see him? You, right. you think about that for your own family. Then you hear all this coming on. I mean, it had to be hard. And what happens if this didn't work? Are the Egyptians going to come and kill us? Right. So it was a matter of faith. Mm-hmm. And then didn't God institute the meal? Didn't he, he did. pretty much say what he wanted at this meal? Yeah, he wanted a lamb and not to break any bones in the lamb. And you're supposed to eat the the matzah bread and the lamb. And today, most religious Jews don't eat lamb on Passover because there's no temple to sacrifice it. Mm, interesting. What about the bitter herbs? What does that say, Marsha? Well, the Seder plate is actually, they didn't necessarily eat them in Israel, but the Seder plate is to remind people they're symbolic of things in in Israel. So there's a lamb shank, which is broken, even though they were commanded not to break a bone. Even when they were eating it, they could not eat a broken bone on the lamb. But, of course, on a Seder plate, we have lamb shanks, lamb bones. We don't have a full bone. And then there is a haroset, which is an apple mixture with apple, walnuts, and cinnamon, little grape juice. And that is for the mortar. That is symbolic of the mortar that was in between the bricks as they were slaves That when they put that together. There's parsley, and we dip that in salt water, which is a... Ma- we, we, yeah, especially when you haven't eaten for a long time, <laughs> you eat a lot of parsley. Yeah. And that is for the tears. It has the, the bitterness and the tears of, of the Egyptians and of the people moving out. And then there's the, the horseradish itself, which is bitter, the bitter, the hard times. Yeah, and the and the parsley is symbolic of the hyssop, and that's what they use to dip in the blood, the gold. Okay. And it's also from your study of John when you get to it, uh, is that's what they lifted up, mm-hmm. the hyssop, for Jesus to get the sour wine. Yeah. So is a Seder meal, are you breaking a fast with that meal? No. No. Okay. So no. you're just saying you're hungry. Yeah, we tell everybody, <laughs> eat up, for have Come. a nice lunch. Okay. Because it's going to be a long time before you have anything more. Yeah, when you start with parsley dipped in the That's salt right. water. That's Yum. right. There's but, also a hard-boiled egg. And the hard-boiled egg, uh, many people will uh, color it. Like we take, we use a match or a candle and blacken it. And that is symbolic of the destruction of, of the, the temple. temple. So there's no more temple sacrifice. So then the question is, well, how do we cover our sins? Because in Leviticus says, without the shedding of blood in Leviticus 17.11, there is no remission of sin. So how is that done? So it's a great question, but some things don't change. And I love the Seder plate because if you look at that matzah that we brought you, you can see that there's piercings in it. It looks like bruises. And if you go to uh, Isaiah 53, 5, 
it says, but he was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. By his wounds, we are healed. That bread is the same bread that they ate 3,500 years ago. Mm-hmm. Manischewitz has had the the, <laughs> the business for 3,500 years. Past. But, I mean, unleavened bread really is just flour and water and some salt. Yeah. Yeah. I invested Tom, in them when they were a shekel a share. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tom, explain the Afikoman. Explain there are three uh, matzahs, three sheets of mas- matzah. Yeah. So at the at the Passover table, the Seder table, we take three pieces of matzah. And they said, what is that symbolic for? And a lot of Jews will say it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Others will say it's the priest the Levites, and the masses. And as a Messianic Jew, I would think it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. The woman always starts and lights the first candle. And the reason why she does it is the woman is bringing in the Holy Spirit. The women really do most of the teaching until the children get older. So... they're the ones that are more spiritually sensitive, and so they say the prayers over the candle. And one of the best things that we see is that when Marcia does a prayer, we have four granddaughters ranging from seven to four. They're there. Oh, they wow. want to do it. They put awesome. on the little covering on their heads, and they uh, do the same thing. So they get an idea of what their roots are. This is a witness to them. Mm-hmm. In fact, Passover is a family thing because we look at uh, Exodus 12, you get down to verse 23, and it tells you a specific, uh, or 26, it says, And when your children say to you, What does this right mean to you? Then you shall say, It is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord because he passed over the house Houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt, when he struck the Egypts, Egyptians, but spared our homes, and the people bawled low in worship. So they're telling what God has done to deliver his people. And then if you sh- shoot down a little bit further, this is not a Jewish festival. This is a world's festival. A mixed multitude went up with Israel when they left Egypt. Who's the mixed multitude? Plus, Gentile people mm-hmm. who just saw the creator of the heavens and the earth to uh, all the signs he did, and he said, we want in. Mm-hmm. Tom, you didn't finish the matzah. We're going to have to do that after the break. We'll come back with Tom and Marsha Berkowitz. We're talking about Holy Week and the Passover. If you've got a question about uh, the Seder meal or the Passover meal, let us know what it is, 877 2484. Be right back.
I'm awfully glad to be have to have Tom and Marsha Berkowitz with me. We're talking about uh, the Holy Week and uh, Passover. Some great questions coming in, Tom and Marsha. Here's one. I'm going to a Seder dinner tomorrow. Any recommendations for any sort of prayer to be praying or items to be reflecting on to prepare my heart for the meal tomorrow? I really want to get the most out of it and try to prepare my heart for Easter and Passion Week. Or are there any points during the meal from a Christian perspective that I should take extra note of? I think that's a great question. Can read... Uh, Exodus 12, uh, that will tell you how it was instituted. Isaiah 52, 13 through Isaiah 53, 12. Uh, that tells really about Jesus as the Passover lamb. And I think what I'd really recommend is if they go on to chosenpeopleministries.com or chose, is it chosenpeople.com? Um, Mitch Glazer, who's been your guest, and they have a Messianic Haggadah. It's open. You can use it, download it, read it, and it will give you a real good background. Uh, I'm assuming you're going to a, a traditional Jewish Seder. Then you can find where the Messianic uh the parts about Jesus comes in. It's really good. Mm-hmm. It's chosenpeople.com. 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 Chosen and mm-hmm. it's called a Haggadah, H A G G A D A H. That's yeah. not bad for a kid from <laughs> North no, Minneapolis. My, my you, I didn't know you could spell. Well, I'm a college educated illiterate. So. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Marsha reminded me I didn't. Finish the matzah story. Yeah, please so do. So you have three matzahs. Okay. You take the middle and you have them stacked. You put them in a uh, matzah holder and you're, they're separated. You pull out the middle one and you break it in half. You put one half back in with the other two. And the, the part you broke off, you put it in a special holder. And then who's ever leading the Seder will go hide it. And you just leave it there until the third cup of wine, and I'll go over the cup of wine in a little bit. So then uh, that's what it's, it's what you do, and it's called the afikomen. Now, afikomen is not a Hebrew word. It's a Greek word. And it didn't come into existence until 2000. It was post It was post uh, the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D., and nobody really understands where it goes. And Jewish, traditional Jewish families call it the dessert. Mm. But afikomen means he has come. So there they are, a messianic um, highlight in the midst of the Passover dinner. And then when you get to the third cup and now you go find the afikom and the kids run and do it. And they bring it back and as a ransom, we redeem it back from them by giving them money. And it goes that Jesus, it says, uh, even Jesus did not come to be served but to serve and offer himself a ransom for many. So that's the idea behind it. So then you pay your kids. Some people do Chocolates. We used to do a 
uh, a dollar, but my kids got too much of my DNA, and they sit down and let's negotiate this. Now it's $10. You better hope they're not listening today. It's going to go up. (laughs) Yeah, go for 20 So that's what it is. Yeah. It's centered around the four cups of wine. Yeah, that's another question. The listener, John, said, can you can your guest please explain the difference, different glasses of wine, what they symbolize? All right, that comes from Exodus 6, 6 and 7. And the first cup of wine is a cup of sanctification. That's a cup that separates us from the rest of the people. And for us as, as believers of Jesus, we are separate from the world. So that's a cup of sanctification. The second cup is the cup of plagues or the cup of judgment. And that cup is, they, first of all, they fill all these cups up. And when you drink it, you drink the whole thing. So that's four cups of wine. So we got to cut the disciples a little bit of slack <laughs> when they fell asleep in the garden. They mm-hmm. just had a big meal and four big glasses of wine. So anyway, the second cup is a cup of plagues. And what you do with that one, you have to reduce it. Why do you reduce it? Because during the, the cup of plagues, you recite each plague that took part. And what tradition is, you take your little finger, dip it in the cup, and you put it on a plate. And that shows a reduction in the cup. And why do we do that? Because God never celebrates the judgment on a people. He's a righteous judge and he does judge them, but we don't rejoice in that judgment. So that's what it's symbolic. Then you have the meal. You start off the Passover by washing your hands. Jews like to wash hands. So you start that off. Then you do the first cup. You read the Passover story. You do the second cup, and then you have the meal. Before you meal, you do the meal, you do the second washing. And, you know, Jesus is a curve. He throws the best change curve <laughs> of anybody. Mm-hmm. And this caught everybody off guard because you washing your hands, you end up, he washed their feet. And what is the purpose of that? We're called to be servants. We're called to serve our fellow people to wash your feet. In the world today, just think if the church would wash not only the feet of one another, but those who are enemies, those who say that they could should kick Oral Roberts out of the NCAA because they hold the Christian values. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're called to be servants and to wash one another's feet. If we did that, what a witness. Remember, it's the whole part of Passover is that we're a witnessing body. And then you have the third cup. The third cup is the cup of redemption. And it says in um, uh, Exodus 6, 6, I will redeem you with my outstretched arms. So that's beauty. And that's when the Afikoman comes in. And that's where we, as Messianic believers, will have communion. Because that's where Jesus did it. And once again, he threw a curveball. Throughout the whole of Judaism, it's always the wine, the bread, the wine, the bread, the wine, the bread. At this cup, the cup of redemption, Jesus said, the bread and the wine. Hmm. And why did he do it? I asked the brightest Messianic scholars I know. I don't know. 
Yeah. He just did it. Maybe it's to catch our attention. Well, I'd give you the answer, Tom, but you didn't ask, so. Okay, there you can go. I have the answer? No, I, I, not now. No. And then the fourth cup is the cup of praise. That's where we celebrate God's great deliverance. In Matthew, it says, Yeshua, Jesus, didn't drink of that. He said, I will not drink of this cup again until I've completed everything. So when is he going to drink that cup? Some say at the wedding supper of the Lamb, and Revelation was at 19. Mm-hmm. So That's a great explanation. Those are the cups. Yeah, that's a great explanation. All right. Um, just got a nice uh, note from a listener named Evan. He said, you should play... Uh, Marty Getz and his daughter Misha for your bumper music. It's like, oh, Evan, we're way ahead of you. <laughs> Tom and Marcia brought Marty into the studio a couple of years ago, and we had a great time with him. Yeah, Marty's a good friend. We met him in 1986. Yeah. So we've been friends since. And they're doing one on their uh, .com tonight for everyone, anybody who wants to. At MartyGetz.com. MartyGetz.com. see how they will do their Seder. Wow. And it's yep. open to anyone who wants to anyone, tune in. Anyone, yep. So MartyGetz.com. Uh, com. That's a mm-hmm. right. good little tidbit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So They said it would last about two hours, they thought. Yeah. Because okay. they do music at Thursday. We don't do any <laughs> music. <laughs> you doing yours tonight? No, we do it tomorrow, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. And we're doing it tomorrow night because my family's ruled by the women of our family, and they said we're doing it on Saturday. <laughs> and I said, okay, I surrender. <laughs> well, it's traditional to do it either the first night or the second night or both nights. Okay. Some yeah. Orthodox will do both nights. Tomorrow's yeah. the first night of unleavened bread. So you have Passover, and then you have seven days of unleavened bread. And unleavened bread, and this is the beauty of it, it represents, you know, the unleavened is symbolic of Jesus's sinless life. So it's a sign. And the beauty of, and this is a celebration that most even religious Jewish homes no longer uh, celebrate, but it just happens it works. It's called the, the Feast of Habikarim or the Feast of First Fruits. And it's always the first day of the week following the Sabbath of unleavened bread. So when was that? What's the first day of the week on the Jewish calendar? It's Sunday. What happened on Sunday? Jesus rose from the dead. And for three days before he uh, before Habikarim, before the Feast of First Fruit, they take their fruit, their their harvest, and they separate it and they wave that on the night of first fruits and it's a blessing and it's, they dedicate that harvest to God well just think about that on the first on the feast of first fruit not only was Jesus resurrected from the dead so he defeats death sin and death but he dedicates all of us who celebrate it of that celebration of of his victory i love that yeah so it's, it's symbolic you, and the odds of that happening i mean this is this year it, it's happening set uh passover starts tonight at sundown unleavened bread starts tomorrow at sundown 
and how Bickerine First Fruits starts on the first day of the week at sundown. Very interesting. Yeah, and it doesn't happen every year. Okay. All right. I'm learning a lot, and I love it. Tom and Marsha Berkowitz are my guests. We'll take a little break. If you have a question, maybe you want some clarification, or you have a question about what we're talking about, let us know what it is, 877-933-2484. Be right back. Berkowitz are my guest. Tom is a teaching leader at Community Bible Study here in uh, Minnesota, going on 22 years. So we love that ministry. It's uh, amazing. Uh, what is the web address for that, Tom? Of what? What is the web address for Community Bible Study? It's communitybiblestudy.org. That's the that's the big the big one. Okay. And you can find us through there. Okay. During the uh, break, Marcia and I were talking about. Uh, a comment made about going to a Seder dinner. And Marcia, you wanted to continue that discussion a little bit. I just wanted to say that, you know, whether it is a traditional Jewish Seder or whether it is a Messianic or Christian Seder, you can see Jesus in, in the whole thing, in everything. We personally, when we have our family, we use a traditional Jewish one because it is so significant to us that there are Jews not in the United States, but all over the world on the same night saying these same things, maybe in a little different way or different language, but Jews commemorating this all over the world. However, we do use, um, like we just did one for a, a group of people and we did use a Messianic one, and that shows, like the Chosen People one, that shows all the Christianity in it. And so you might be at a traditional one, but you will see it everywhere if you just ask the Lord to open your eyes and ears to hear it. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that, Marcia. Tom, let's go into the book of John a little bit and find out what we learn about uh, the Passover in John. The Passover in John is absolutely critical to our Christian faith. It starts in John 13. And it starts with the second washing where Jesus uh, has everybody there and he washes their feet. It, so it's the first two cups of wine have already been drank. The washing comes. He does that. So now the meal is served. And Jesus has table talk. And in, on the table talk, he gave us John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Wow. Now, some say, well, no, after 15 or after 14, it says they got up and left. No, they they didn't. I think they got up, and Jesus says, now you have everything, let's go. Mm -hmm. That's what they meant by getting up. But they would not have been walking when Jesus was giving them 15, 16, and 17, because they, how would you walk and get that down? Plus, 
traditionally, after you're finished with the Seder and you're all done, you sing Psalms 113 through 118. So in the book of Mark, it says they got up and they sang the hymns. The hymn would be all those psalms as they walk through the streets of Jerusalem, cross the Kidron Valley into the Mount of Olives. But so it's absolutely essential. At this Passover meal, Jesus taught us really the foundation of our faith. Wow, that's powerful to think all those chapters came out of that meal. Yeah, yeah. So he had their undivided attention. He also said in the the main part of those chapters is, I'm going to give you a gift. He gave us the gift of peace. Now, of all the gifts, he said, I'm going to give you the gift of peace. We're in 1427 right now? Yes. Yeah. So it's not like the gift the world gives. This gift is going to stick with you. So on the Feast of First Fruit, on his resurrection, in uh, John 20, 19, he walks in. What's the first words out of Jesus' mouth? Shalom Aleichem. Mm-hmm. Peace on you. He reminds him. He tells him that he's going to send them out, and he says, Shalom Aleichem again. Peace be on you. So he's throwing peace at them to remind them, this is not going to be a cakewalk, but I'm with you, and you have my peace, and it's not like a gift that the world gives. It's the gift that I give you, peace. And then a few days later, Thomas comes in because he doesn't believe. He's not there. So what's the first words he, say to, he says to Thomas? Shalom alechem. Peace on you. And that peace is not just uh, kind of like um, a throwaway term. It means wholeness. It means completeness. It means you're in the center of God's will. Wow. If someone says uh, shalom alechem to me, what would be my response? Alechem shalom. Okay. And back, back peace at you. back at you. Mm-hmm. But you notice that the disciples were silent. They didn't say that back. And they didn't say it back because they were awestruck. <laughs> Do you blame them? No. <laughs> Plus, they're probably afraid. Well, could you get blame them. them? So I tell, I'm teaching my class, there's five essentials, the truth of Messiah. And if you know these five essentials, you can witness to anybody. Cool. You're, giving, you're going to give them to us, aren't you? The five essentials yeah. are this, that Jesus was fully man and fully God and lived a sinless life. We get that right out of the gates in John 1. The second essential is Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried. With that action, he's fulfilling the prophecies, i.e., Isaiah 53. The third essential is Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and this is of the utmost importance. Sometimes we spend so much that he's on the cross and he shed his blood. If he doesn't resurrect then he's just like any other Jew during that time. There was reported over 250,000 that were crucified. It's the resurrection. He's the first fruit from the dead. That's what Paul teaches us. 
No one else was ever resurrected. Now, somebody will say, well, Lazarus was. No, he was more resuscitated back to life. He died again. Jesus isn't dying again. Mm-hmm. He gets up, mm-hmm. and he's the first fruit from the dead. Number four is Jesus ascended into heaven to sit, at, to sit on the throne of God. So he's leaving us because if he doesn't go up, we don't get the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And now we have the Holy Spirit. We're his hand and feet. We're his witnessing body. And the fifth essential is Jesus is coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah to judge the living and the dead. He is coming back. Those are the five essentials. If you know that, I don't care if the person is a scholar or has never seen the Bible before, you can share your faith with them. Because John goes on and says, it's by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony we'll overcome. I say it's by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony God can use us as as his witnesses in this world. That's what we need. Mm -hmm. I could tell you a bunch of stories of how that works, but, you know, the silly things. I have an Israeli friend who was in the Special Forces in the Yom Kippur War, wounded, had to decompress after that war, went to uh, Arizona State University, had to pay for his tuition, so he uh, uh, planted pot in his backyard. And one day he was smoking it, and a knock on the door, he opens up, and here's this Gentile telling him about Jesus, and he said, wait a second. I'm a Jew, and I'm an Israeli. We don't need Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he says, are you kidding me? You're a Jew and an Israeli? I've been praying to God for the last five years that he would send me one Jew I could share the faith. <laughs> and he grabbed him and hugged him and told him the five essentials. And he, this Israeli friend of ours couldn't get away from him, but he gave him a, the book of just Matthew. Mm-hmm. That's the only part he gave him. He read it. And became a believer, a follower of Jesus. And this guy is highly intelligent, highly, he's everything that you'd want, you know, as far as human talent. And this simple message is what caused him to believe. So when people ask me, what do I say to Jewish people? You have the five essentials. Mm-hmm. Let's review one more time. Jesus, fully man, fully God, and lived a sinless life. Correct. Okay. Number, you, number two, he was crucified died, and was buried. Right. Fulfillment of Scripture. Yep. 1 Corinthians 15. Yeah, but it's Isaiah 53. Of course, too. of course. That's Yeah. Um, Jesus resurrected from the dead. He was resurrected from the dead. The grave didn't hold him. Without yeah. that, there's no victory. Yeah. And the same power that brought him back from the dead is the power that we have. Right. Which is amazing. And it also gives us victory over death. And then becomes a great, this is a great trade all the way. And we're the winners. Mm -hmm. In Isaiah 53, he was was, uh, punished for our sins. He was righteous. It starts off with Isaiah 52, 13. He prospered. He went from a slave to prosperity. He was the, the lamb that took on our sins. So it was a great trade. He gets our sins, we get his righteousness. And then when he's resurrected, 
He's resurrected. And all those who say they're God, all those who think they are, we know from uh, Isaiah 14, 14 and 15, they get the grave. Mm-hmm. It's a real simple trade. Mm-hmm. And I'll take that deal. Yeah, I will too. And then he ascended into heaven, and he is coming back. He is coming back. Mm-hmm. And he's coming back as a lion of the tribe of Judah. He came here as a lamb, but when he comes back, he's not the lamb. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the king. Ooh, that's so exciting. Yeah. Thrilling. Yeah. Yeah. Can't and get enough. You guess what? What? Everybody is going to have to stand before him. And how would you like to do that if you're not covered by the blood? No, thank you. That should create a sense of urgency in all of us to share the hope that we have in our hearts with the people that we know and love and the people that we don't know as well. Correct. Yeah. Tom Marshall, thank you so much. You're welcome. Tom and Marsha Berkowitz have been my guests. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're just going to read Scripture. We're going to spend the full hour reading God's Word on the last uh, 12 hours of the life of Jesus. We're going to prepare your heart for Holy Week as we get uh, focused on next week and how much I'm looking forward to spending time with you next week during this very holy time. Thank you for listening, and thank you for Tom and Marshall. We'll take a short break and be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.